And good morning and welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Greg. I'm one of the co-lead pastors here. And I just want to let you know that however you are engaging with us today, whether you're in person, which is a, it is a delight to see you and hear you and be able to be with you, or whether it's online, um, we are just ecstatic that you've chosen to engage with us to take time and make space to do that. We do want to let you know if you are online that uh, we feel like a really good place to, to do that through is our online platform, which you can find at www.onelifeseattle.org slash live. Uh, and the reason why we recommend it is it's got a lot of cool stuff there to facilitate a really great online experience, whether it's our online chat, access to our prayer team, uh, some Bible tools, all kinds of good stuff to help with that. So uh, that's a great place. But again, wherever and however you are joining us, we are happy that you are uh, with us. So with that, let's pray. God, I give you great thanks for this day and your presence in our lives. Lord, that uh, we acknowledge that there's stuff going on that is really, really difficult and really hard for us and, and, and really hard for lots of other people. Um, and so we ask that you be with us. We, you be with those who are mourning, those who are hurting those who are in need in any way, shape, or form, that they would find you present, even in those situations, God, that you are not afraid of those things. Um, and so I pray that, uh, yeah, you be with us and with all those in need this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in the last week of our sermon series entitled After Easter, where we've been exploring these moments where people encountered Jesus after his resurrection. This moment where Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, overcame death and in doing so enabled all of humanity to enter into a restored relationship with God. And our hope has been that as we've explored these moments, not only do we learn about who God is, but we also learn like what did these experiences mean to the people who were having them. And then from there we can begin to explore what do they mean in our current context. What do these experiences mean in, in 2022? trying to navigate these in our own lives. And before we get into our passage for today, I want to just do a quick sort of recap of where we've been. We started, we had this little teaser moment from Ben at our sunrise service on Easter where we walked through this story where Jesus uh, showed up with two of his disciples who were walking on the road. Uh, they were leaving Jerusalem where Jesus had been crucified, and, they, and they, the feeling is they're trying to get away from that. Um, and Jesus shows up and walks with them and talks with them, and he even eats with them. And what we explored is this idea that God really meets us wherever we're at on the road. Whatever our situation, our circumstance, how we're doing, God is present there with us. And then, Ben, that following Sunday, uh, looked at the, the story of this guy named Peter. And Peter has this really fascinating story. He's one of Jesus' closest friends and disciples, and uh, during the time when Jesus was being crucified, Peter had this moment where he publicly sort of denounced Jesus three times. People asked, hey, don't you know that guy? I think I saw you with him. And Peter's like, no way. No, I didn't know him, didn't have anything to do with him. And so Peter feels a lot of feelings about that. And the story we looked at that Ben took us through is this moment where Jesus is asking Peter, hey, do you love me? And Peter's like, you know I do. And it's this moment where we get to, to sort of step inside that relationship and see how they work that out. 
And what we discovered is that um, the love of God is more powerful than any evil that can be done, that there's hope for change, and that each of us has a purpose in our lives. Then Rich took us on this deeper dive on that story of the two disciples walking on the road, and what we learned there is that we can be honest with Jesus, whether it's fear or doubt, or whether it's faithfulness or joy, or all of those kind of intermingled together. We can be honest with Jesus, and that there's something in that that even though it might be challenging, because sometimes, if I'm being honest, I feel like, well, I gotta present this certain kind of picture to Jesus. I don't wanna always go to Jesus or God with like these doubts. I, don't want, I always wanna try to put on a good face. But being honest with Jesus is actually quite liberating. It allows us to be known for who we really are, not for who we might be pretending to be. And then lastly, Rich took us through this moment where Mary Magdalene encounters Jesus after the resurrection. She, she lingers at the tomb of Jesus and sees him there, and he's, he, she thinks he might be the gardener. And, and whether she says she doesn't recognize him, and whether that's because she just isn't, isn't expecting Jesus or maybe isn't expecting him to be doing what he's doing or, or something like that, but she doesn't recognize him. And then Jesus says her name, Mary, and instantly she knows who it is. And so we see that Mary sort of remained real in this moment and present to what was happening. In doing so, she was able to discover Jesus in a new way in that very real moment. And what it led to, which I think is really cool, is that Mary becomes the first person to preach the good news of Jesus as Jesus says, go and tell my disciples, uh, the rest of the group, what has happened. Um, And so she goes and does that. So with all that, we come into this morning, and this morning we're going to look at is two accounts that dovetail together really well uh, and are going to serve not only as a good conclusion to our current series, but also sort of an entryway into our next series, which is uh, on discipleship, but it's called Finding Our Way in Jesus. And so what we get today with this is sort of the conclusion, but also uh, if any of you are into the Marvel movies, um, they do really well with their post-credit scenes. Right? You know, so you get those moments where it's like we get a little piece of information that gets us excited about something else to come. And so hopefully that uh, is, is what's going to happen a little bit today. Uh, the passages we're going to look at are found in Matthew 28, 16 through 20, and Acts 1, 1 through 11. And if you have a Bible, uh, you can uh, go to those passages, but we'll also have the verses up on the screen for you, um, and you can uh, just go along with us there. So the first one is Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." And then the next one is Acts 1, 1 through 11. This one's a little bit longer, but that's, that's all right. Uh, in my former book, Theophilus, which is a delightful name, uh, I, wrote all, I wrote about all that Jesus had begun to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, 
which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, that's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. Then suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken back from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now, there are a handful of similarities in these passages that I want to focus on for a few moments. The first of these is that the disciples are all together. Um, And in the first passage in Matthew, one of the things that's important to know is that previous to that moment, the last time the disciples were all together was when they were with Jesus before he died. And so in in that storyline, in that continuum of the Gospel of Matthew, there has been no gathering that we know of where the disciples were all together between their last time with Jesus before he died and now this moment after. And in all these stories, we want to acknowledge that the authors, are there is something they're trying to communicate, right? So, so we want to ask questions like, so how were they feeling then? What, what was going on with the disciples in this moment when they're getting together with Jesus? I think we can all imagine there might be a lot of feelings happening. Then in the Acts passage, it has a different kind of feeling. Even though they're all together, it's sort of told in this way where it's like, Oh yeah, Jesus showed up a lot of times to his disciples and there was this one time when they were eating together when Jesus said. So what this does is it helps us move into this this space where we can say, Jesus is present in those moments where it might be really difficult, all kinds of feelings. And then these other ones where it's just told like, oh yeah, it's one of these times when Jesus was with them. There's also a, a great sense of transition or movement. Something different is coming. When someone says something like, I will be with you always, that's an indication that something big is going to happen. That's often, uh, the language is very akin to something we would hear in a wedding vow. That's a big moment. And I know many of you probably have similar experiences, but when I say goodbye to my kids in the morning before they go to school, I say something like, hey, I love you, have an awesome day. But if I or one of them is going away for a little bit longer, I say something different. I might say, hey, I'm going to be back on Thursday. While I'm gone, be nice to your sister, right? I'm going to miss you. I love you. There's more in it. Matthew has that kind of feel in his account, right? Jesus is saying, I'm with you always, and there's something big that's going to happen. Now, in the Acts passage, Jesus just up and leaves. So we know something big is happening because Jesus floats up into the sky. But then there's this direction given. Go and wait. Right? And then the angel's asking, why are you staring at the sky? Which, for some reason when I read that, the angels sort of ask it like you should know better. Um, But then when I read it recently, I really, I want the disciples to say, look, 
You might know some things, but what I know is this just seems like craziness. Like this seems absolutely, I, I, I don't know how I'm hanging on to this because my friend just floated up into the sky. Give me a second right, to deal with this. I think we would all have a similar response. Maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you're more adjusted to people floating, but that's just me. Um, so the next thing that I want us to notice is that there's new direction for the disciples. And I mentioned this just a second ago, but both of these passages have a sense of there's, there's a new direction, a new task, a new sort of thing to do. And in Matthew, it's this idea of go and make disciples. Right? And there's a lot of things that are listed in that. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them everything I have taught you. And then in the Acts passage, there's a bunch of commands. Go and wait. Right? And then there's the... the, the be, you're going to be my witnesses. And then there's the angels sort of implying, like, get moving, right? There's, there's all kinds of energy moving there. Right? So there's new direction. And then lastly, there's the ongoing presence of God uh, in, in these stories through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And in Matthew, again, it's Jesus saying, I am with you always. This is really good news for the disciples because, again, they're probably on a bit of a roller coaster with how they're dealing with all this. If, if you read through the Gospels, just the time with Jesus before he was uh, crucified, is, there's enough stuff in there that's going to make it feel like a bumpy ride. But then you have his death, which for them was about 40 days previous, and, 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 and then three days later he rose again and he's shown up a couple of times and he's eaten with you and done these things. And now he's giving you these lines and it, it does feel like a lot to take in. So it might be nice for him to say, hey, but I'm going to be with you. But it's more than just comforting words. This is who Jesus is. It's the fulfillment of a promise of God's. In Matthew 1, 21 to 23, it says this, all this took place. So this is the very beginning of this gospel. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So there's this theme throughout this whole gospel of God being with people. And it goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible where we have this image of God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden. Later on in the Old Testament, God telling David, I, I, don't, I, I never asked you to build me a house of cedar or anything like that. I have traveled with the people. There's a sense of God being with and in the Acts passage, the presence of God is shown, but we're going to talk about a couple weeks when we get to the, this day called Pentecost, and we're going to have a lot of information about that and a lot of cool stuff uh, on Pentecost, but it's really about the presence of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment that comes from that presence. And Jesus tells his disciples, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is this uh, signifying a sort of immersion. We talk about baptism. We talk about lowering someone into water and bringing them back up. That's the imagery that's used there. And so it's this idea of being immersed in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the source of life. Now, with all that, that's all present in both of these stories, but there's a couple of key things that I want to go back to and revisit. Um, the first is that... Uh, this idea of direction and, and what that looks like. Um, and in the Matthew passage, it says, uh, go and make disciples. And sometimes we feel like that, says, that means, so I have to go somewhere to do this, but the more accurate translation is as you go. 
And the idea is that we're, we're all going somewhere, even if we're, we're, we're in a pause, even if we're at like a rest stop or something like that on our journey, uh, symbolically, right? We're all going somewhere. And the idea is as you go, anywhere you're at, be about this business of making disciples. And I'm not going to get a ton into what it means to make disciples because our whole summer is going to be in that in our next series that I mentioned earlier, which we're super excited about, so please be here for that. But what I am going to invite you to pay attention to is the scope of this call. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, meaning everyone, all people, every person, that because God values and loves every person, God desires that every person would experience what it means to fully flourish and live as a human being and fully experience love. And then in the Acts passage, um, we have uh, this idea of you will be my witnesses. And it's in verses 6 through 8 from that passage. And I'm just going to read, I'll read it all. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they gathered around and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now this idea of witnesses just means that uh, you've experienced something and you have the ability to speak to that experience. And so he says, you're going to be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, starting with. Now, this is both a big deal and not a big deal. It's a big deal because a lot of difficult stuff has happened in Jerusalem, but they're very familiar with the area, right? So it's kind of, it's kind of like their hometown in a way, but, but they know this space. It's where they've been. A lot of stuff's been going on. So it's really, uh, there's, there's things they're familiar with. But then it says Judea and Samaria, and and geographically it's not a big deal because Judea is just sort of the expanded area that Jerusalem exists in. But the thing that is so over the top about this is that Judea and Samaria, they hate each other. There's an incredible amount of tension there. The Jewish people saw the Samaritans as unclean, and if if you've studied... uh, Judaism at all, that that concept of being clean or unclean is super important. In John 4, 9, there's a moment where Jesus is interacting with a a Samaritan woman. And the Samaritan woman says to him, uh, how is it that you, a Jewish person, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And it was even so tense that if you were, if Samaria was here and you were a Jewish person, you're traveling from here to here, you would go around. You wouldn't go through Samaria because it was so tense and seen as so unclean. And then the ends of the earth. Geographically, the disciples aren't even aware of all the places on the planet. But because of the the, the fuller meaning of that previous statement, what it means is beyond everything you know, into every place and every situation. And so there is this sort of scope to this that is much bigger than I think we realize. I have two more things that I want to read that I think, um, I think, um, I think they will be 
enlightening but also challenging. Um, and, uh, and the way I'm going to introduce this is that I think they'll bring some clarity. Uh, the first is from uh, the First Nations Indigenous Translation of the New Testament, and this was put together by a group of Native North Americans who were elders, pastors, young and old from different tribes and really diverse geographic locations. They worked with the Wycliffe Bible translators in their process, uh, but their stated purpose of their translation is to provide an English Bible that connects in a culturally relevant way to the traditional heart languages of the over six million English-speaking First Nations people of North America. And so this is the same, this is the Matthew 28 passage from uh, the First Nations version. It says, the remaining 11 of his followers journeyed to circle of nations, which is Galilee. There at the mountain where creator sets free, being Jesus, had told them to go, they met with him. When they saw him, they gave him the honor he deserved, but there were some who still doubted. So now I am sending you into all nations to teach them how to walk the road with me. Oh, there's a verse missing there. Let me read. I have it in my notes. Uh, all, uh, all authority. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, yeah. Uh, all, uh, let me start from the beginning. The remaining 11 of his followers journeyed to the circle of nations, Galilee. There at the moment where creator sets free, Jesus had told them to go, and they met with him. When they saw him, they gave him the honor he deserved. But there were some who still doubted. All the authority of the spirit world above and the earth below has been given to me, he told them. So now I am sending you into all the nations to teach them how to walk the road with me. You will represent me as you perform the purification ceremony with them, initiating them into the life of beauty and harmony represented in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. You will teach them all the ways that I have instructed you to walk in. When I was reading through this, I found the imagery of teaching people how to walk the road to be critically important. Because we often think of teaching as solely doing like what we're doing now. And although that's a part of it, a much larger part is walking with people, being with people, practicing the ways of the kingdom of God and the ways of Jesus together with people. And it's hard because this voice has been excluded from the conversation in a lot of ways. The other one I want to read is from a New Testament commentary called True to Our Native Land and African American New Testament Commentary. And this is uh, theologian uh, Dolores Williams. And she says, suppose evangelism was understood as community building rather than just saving souls. The goal of this community building is, of course, to establish a positive quality of life, economic, spiritual, educational, for all people. And I also wondered why I so often recently cry, and, and I, I watched clips of, uh, like, America's Got Talent, stuff like this, mostly the golden buzzer moments. Um, but if you're not familiar with that, they have an ability to sort of remove people from the competition in a way that gets them to the very final. If they hit this golden buzzer, there's a limited amount of golden buzzers. But when they do that, gold confetti comes down and everyone's cheering and standing ovation. And I constantly have this image in my mind 
Like, what if just everyone knew that? What if it wasn't based on talent? What if it wasn't based on sort of what you can produce, but everyone just knew that they were so valued that every single person got to experience from every other person like this kind of moment? And it's interesting to me today because I had a conversation. Uh, I'm going to throw you, uh, throw the spotlight on you for a minute, Nate Blaschka, who's Longtime friend, and he and Melissa and his family are visiting, uh, which is delightful. They've been part of our church for a long time. But he and I talked about this one time, and I remember Nathan saying, Greg, what would it be like if we just did that? Like we just had people come up, and we just standing applause like for, for, for people. And I was like, oh, I've never thought anything like that. That seems so out of the box. And he was like, I know, right? And we had this moment, but it was trying to figure out how that could happen. So I feel like being here and having this here today is calling that back into a place where I, I want people to know that. I want people to experience that. Because what we see in Jesus in these interactions with his disciples is an ever-expanding, learning, growing, living understanding of the scope of God's love. Go and make disciples and go do it where the people hate each other. Go and teach people what it is to walk with Jesus in the spaces where those people can't stand each other. And then what about where, where it's me who's in that spot where I'm engaging with someone that I don't like or cannot stand? What if they're not only a different political party than I am, but what if they're the extreme end of that political party? And if I'm really frank, that only scratches the surface of, I think, where Jesus wants us to go. Liars, racists, thieves, abusers, molesters, users, murderers, you and I. Whoever it is, I would posit that many of us no longer believe in the transformative power of the gospel, and we categorize people as pharaohs whose hearts have become too hard, and they're too far gone, too far outside the redeeming power and scope of the love of God. And these passages today would tell us that no one is outside of the reach of God's love. That Jesus died once that all would know his love, and if we're a follower of Jesus, he just may lead us to those spaces. And we might say, no, I don't want to go. This is too hard. I don't have it in me. And Jesus is already understanding of that. And he says, ah, I'm going to be with you always. And not only am I going to be with you, but the Holy Spirit is going to empower you. You're not alone in this. Now, I have a side note here. Two things. One, this is never forced. We don't ever force this on anybody, right? And, I, and I, I would say more, but I think Dan shared something this morning that was spot on, and just remember what Dan shared about gentleness. I think that's, that was a beautiful way to, to, to express that. But the other thing I want to say is that these passages or anything I'm saying does not condone, support, or encourage the evil ways of people, including ourselves, in this world. There's great discernment that needs to be exercised in how we engage with people. And at times, we may not be the ones to engage with people, right? There are certain situations where it is more harmful 
But what I am suggesting is that currently in our culture, I think we move too quickly to the judgment and categorization of people as outside the scope of God's love. And so I'm just inviting us to to reconsider that. And what we find when we do that is we end up kind of where we started with this series. All of us on a road of some kind. May we all find the God who is love present wherever we're at to lead and guide heal, renew, and redeem. And may we each find our way in Jesus to participate with God in the work of redeeming and bringing flourishing wholeness to all things. May each of our steps on the road be empowered and led by the Holy Spirit. So when we don't know what the next step is, we don't have the strength for that or the courage, we'd be able to find all that we need to move in the direction that's right. I want to invite the worship team to come back up um, and while they're doing that, I want to let you know in just a moment, the prayer team's going to be back up. Uh, if you want prayer, they're there to pray with you over anything, whether it's difficult, celebratory, it doesn't matter, and everything in between. Um, and the way we typically end is I have a handful of questions for you to ponder. I'm going to read through those, and the worship team's going to play instrumentally for a moment to give you a second to reflect on those. Um, sometimes that time can go kind of quick, so what I would encourage you to do is maybe write them down. Feel free to take a picture of them, uh, and you can keep them till later. Uh, if you do get a chance, these connection cards that we mentioned earlier, if you write your answers down on those, we'd love to get those and, and hear what you're thinking. We believe it's a way the Spirit communicates to us, uh, and we can know how you're uh, navigating these things. So, um, so here are the questions. First off, uh, St. Francis one time said, it's no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching. I would like you to just ponder for a moment, what does that mean to you? Secondly, where are places and spaces you are a part of where you can be building community or where you, can be, you are walking with people on a journey? What are those spaces specific to you uh, where you find yourselves being able to do that? Third, how does learning and teaching happen in those spaces? One of the, the components that we're going to explore more in our discipleship series is that sometimes we can get caught up in that, 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 that we're the teachers, Um, But so much of that journey is learning also, Um, learning from other cultures, other ethnicities, other people, from all kinds of different spaces. There are things we can learn together moving forward. Fourth, how are you actively participating in both teaching and learning that happens in your specific spaces? And then lastly, does God play any role in those spaces? Uh, And are you open to God having a role in those places? And if so, what might that role look like? So I'm going to pray and then we'll have a few minutes to to think about that and then we'll close with a song and a benediction. God, I give you great thanks again for your presence here with us. Um, Lord, that we can be honest with you about the ways we're feeling and thinking, bring the difficult things to you, um, and, and that you delight in being with us. And so I pray that we would find um, discernment with you and how to respond wisely to the things going on in our world. Lord, and how those things impact us. Even if our places where we are walking with people or building community, those places feel really distant from some of the difficult things going on, still, how, how do those things impact us in ways that we can be building community and walking with people in our own spaces? But I pray that we would 
seek you in those. And I, and I pray over all, God, that everyone, every single person would know what it means to be loved. As the source of love, Scripture says that you are love. I pray you would, would help that to happen. So help us to move and, and live and have our being in ways that are helpful for people and to bring flourishing into their lives. I ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.